Hi, welcome to the Alice Fables podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Sterling. And we're going to answer one of your questions about writing our books or the indie author process. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Alice Fables or here on Spotify. If you want more writing tips and tricks or information about our latest releases, join our newsletter at alicefables.com. Today we are interviewing Tamara from Nerdy Book Box. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, hello. Uh, I am the owner, founder, and one-woman show of Nerdy Book Box. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how I, how I haven't gone crazy yet. Wow. Yeah. That sounds that's like a, a lot. So, I mean, so for those listeners who maybe don't know what a book box is in general, could you explain that for them? Yes. So we are a monthly subscription box that features indie authors exclusively. We curate different products that match the story or are themed with the book itself. And basically we put, we basically bring people's story to life. Um, and that's, I mean, that's like the over, like an overview of everything, but there, there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, running any kind of business is, is, has a lot of extra that goes into it. So, but basically the long and the short of it is it's a monthly subscription box that focuses on indie authors and you, if someone orders this box, they'll get the book of the month, but also a whole bunch of goodies associated with it. Yes. So they will receive the box uh, <clears throat> that comes with the book. And right now we are doing sprayed edges on all the books that are featured. Uh, additionally, I design all the enamel pins, so it comes with an enamel pin. Uh, then it comes with three to four different items themed on the book itself, or something that's symbolic to the book, or an important factor of the book, and we kind of just put that all together. We also have book and pin bundles, so if somebody doesn't want the whole box, they have the option to just get the book and the enamel pin. And we have a few things coming up, actually, for our two-year anniversary right now in August. We have a lot of surprises in store right now. Yeah, Ooh, that's that really exciting. So, I mean, it sounds like you wear a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, as a business owner. And that's something we're super familiar with, for sure. I, I do everything, so... <laughs> <laughs> So let's kind of jump into that. What inspired you to become a business owner? I mean, there's it's one thing to just be the manager or be the artist or something like that. But an owner usually in small businesses, and I don't mean to call your business small. I just mean you're not um, Target. You're not Walmart, right? Like you're. A, We're totally a, small. A, yeah. <laughs> you said one woman show. So I assume we can assume. Uh, that you don't have over 5,000 employees. Oh, no. Um, Man, that would make things so much easier. <laughs> would it? I don't know. Uh, I'm a control freak. Yeah, maybe but, not. <laughs> but what inspired you to become a business owner at all? And then specifically, what made you decide to create this company, Nerdy Book Box? So it's an interesting story. It was actually in the middle of the pandemic back in 2020. I was. I actually started on bookstagram so i have my own personal bookstagram on nerdy book mama and <laughs> on there i i started doing a lot of arcs and getting books through what's that website called where they send you arcs to read before the book actually releases 
Oh, NetGalley. Yes, NetGalley. Yes. And one day I had received a an email saying that I had gotten uh, an ARC. This was one of my first ones for a book called The Stone of Sorrows. And I ended up reading that book. I actually binged it because it was really, really good and I loved it. It had a lot of representation. It had a lot of Nordic storytelling, a lot of Nordic themes, which I love anything that has to do with... Uh, like Vikings and things like that. Yeah. And what ended up happening was I finished the book. I loved it. I put my reviews up. I followed the author. I got super, super into it. And then I noticed that there wasn't anything like artwork. There wasn't any fan art. There wasn't any products. There wasn't anything that I can have physically about the book or anything regarding the book and obviously right because it was an indie book right yeah it was an indie author it was a small publisher and there was just not a lot of stuff out there to say hey you know somebody put this together to represent this book and the characters and the story and i i was really bummed out about that when i noticed that there was just nobody to talk to about this cool book that i had read and there was no product nothing um, that's kind of what sparked the flame. That's when it right. started. And I said, you know, why isn't there a book box that does indie authors? I don't see anything online. I, I looked and I said, there's nothing out there that, that just focuses on indie authors. You have all these other big book boxes like Owl Crate and the Bookish Box and Fairy, right. Fae Crate, I think. And, yes. and they do mainly mainstream or super popular authors so obviously there's already a, a very saturated market in terms of stuff like sarah j moss and all these people that everybody knows about yeah, really big names yeah huge names but there's nothing that has indie authors and i thought you know i'm not sure i dig that and i started doing research and i just did that i mean this was months of research and reading and doing numbers and sitting down with an Excel sheet, crunching numbers and details, and just like, how can I make this possible? How can I make this a reality? And around the end of July of 2020, I had finally gotten enough information to say, you know what? I'm just going to dive headfirst into this and see if it works out. And around that time, I had been talking to... Uh, uh, an editor actually online on on bookstagram and mm -hmm. she recommended an author named beck michaels which was the very first author we featured in our box when we started and uh she had enough faith in us to give us a chance and i told her look this is this is something i've never done before and i appreciate you giving us the opportunity to do your book let's try some stuff so we started with the exclusive covers uh a different color book and <clears throat> we put everything together and it was just a huge success the first the first box we did was huge i think we sold about 65 boxes which was pretty intense considering we were brand new yeah, yeah that's amazing once we got that going it was just a matter of it's time to find the authors it's time to actually make a community out of this and like I said, we're coming up on our second year right now in August, July. 
technically August. That's when we started doing pre-orders. And we shipped our first boxes September 2020. So right now, August 2022 is going to be our second year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ever since then, we, we have grown this community. We have a Discord. We have we have featured well, almost, almost 20 different authors. And like I said, we have some really big projects coming up in... In, in August for our for our anniversary so maybe I'll give you guys this big scoop <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh for one nerdy book box and LS are about the same age <laughs> yeah we're a pandemic story too yeah nice okay so I wasn't alone <laughs> yeah no um we we started writing together about around that time frame and but I think that just goes to show that you're really filling a hole in the market. Yes. Yeah, I I found that super relatable. One of the reasons why we write LBGT is because we don't we we want more specifically LGBT fantasy stories and there's not as many out there as there are more traditional um content and it's like if it's not there then make it yourself. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I think that's a great business model. Yeah. Well, if it's not there, then it means that you, you can't possibly be the only one who, who wants it. Who wants it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny now, coming up on our second year, I have noticed that a couple other indie book boxes have popped up. And I think oh. people just realized, hey, you know, these authors need a voice, which is fantastic. I love the fact that there's more popping up and there's more people interested in reading indie authors and this and that. So even if we just inspired someone... I'm okay with that because y'all deserve it. Y'all, y'all need all the love. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, and you know, it's, I think I would think the book box mark book box market would be similar to the just general book market in that, like we're not competitive with other authors, right? Like re- people are going to want to read and consume literature and stories and, and all of that kind of stuff indefinitely this is not like buying a car or a house where you're gonna buy that one for the next x number of years and therefore you have to be you know like really really fierce competition to make sure they buy your one that's not really how the book market is it's it's good to support other authors because if they do well you'll do well readers read a lot of books oh yeah 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 Yeah. it's it's not a product that they're going to just need one of Right. essentially, which is why it's not, it doesn't have to be very competitive. I definitely agree a thousand percent. I just love seeing all the indie authors getting all, all this attention because that's yeah. what I wanted when I started Nerdy Book Box. That's what I wanted. I wanted to see more attention to these smaller authors, these smaller publishing companies that don't get as much as attention. But yeah, I, I'm super happy to see how much has expanded in the last couple of years. Yeah. So were you a business owner before, or is this your first time running a business? First time business owner. Uh, (laughs) I've learned a lot along the way, and I have made mistakes along the way. I have learned along the way, and I'm still learning. There's a lot of things that have changed because of the pandemic and that are different. Even, Even when we started. Two years ago, there's so much stuff that's different, like shipping cost and material cost yeah, is insane. Yeah. We have to, well, I have had to adapt and 
make adjustments accordingly to all these changes that are happening in the world right now. Uh, as a first-time business owner, I honestly have no idea what I'm doing half the time, but <laughs> I, I <laughs> thankfully have my... Learn as you go. Yeah, I just... I thankfully have my husband who's a business major, so he knows a lot more than I do, and I'll just ask him, hey, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. What Does this look right to you? And he's like, yes, it's fine, or no, you need to change this, but thankfully I have him as a support and just half the time I'm just like I'm just gonna guess and say that this sounds right (laughs) yeah you know well you're utilizing a resource that's easily available to you like that's just smart (laughs) yeah um before that technically speaking I'm still doing it I am a property manager and Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for about 10 years now uh so it's just that was my career until I decided, you know what? I'm not sure I want to do this forever. I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own boss. And I'm just going to do it. That's fantastic. It's really inspiring, yeah. We we both also have other jobs and are working towards that dream. Or I, at least, am working towards that dream of not working towards uh, for someone else. Oh, yeah. Ster- I- Sterling's other job is another business she owns. Yeah, I, I own. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. So. The yeah. business woman. Yeah. So this is, this is not my first uh, business, but it is my first business where the product is actually a literal product instead of me. My other business, um, I'm a professional dog trainer. So, like, people pay to have lessons with me because they enjoy how I teach and how I interact. So, in a way, I'm the product versus books are, be- are a physical product, you know? Ooh, yeah. That's awesome. Yay, dog lovers. I love dogs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, we've definitely learned a lot along the way. And as our podcast listeners have already heard, made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I think you can't be afraid to run a business um, in any kind of creative industry, but at all, and be like, I can't make a single mistake. They're just going to happen. It really yeah. just matters on how you respond when you make that mistake. They happen a lot. And yeah, one of the things that I've learned is not to dwell on it, just learn from it and grow from it. Because if I were to sit there and just mope around about the things that I did wrong or the things that I messed up on, I think I've already, I would have already given up because it's just, yeah, you're going to lose time. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose resources. But you know what? Just keep going. Next time you won't. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep going. And and I try to tell myself every day that just keep going. We're almost there. And usually they say that it takes more than two years for for a business to actually see profit and anything like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we're not quite there yet, but uh, like I said, we're coming up on our second year. I'm hoping that we will get there. Yeah, awesome. Well, we've kind of been following uh, Nerdy Book Box for a while now, and, and we've noticed that you, you tend to focus, obviously you're working with indie authors specifically, like that's your thing, uh, and you've already talked about why, but we've also noticed that you tend to kind of focus on diverse characters and stories that seem to have a lot of inclusivity as far as the protagonists and the casts available. Um, is that a deliberate choice or is it just kind of what's happened? It's deliberate. Uh, I'm a minority, so mm-hmm. I am Hispanic, but I uh, have ancestry, Native American, Spanish. I'm actually a mutt. I did the 23andMe thing. I, oh, yeah. Literally, the whole planet is lit up for me on on the little color thing. 
I'm everything. (laughs) (laughs) My mom did one of those, and she was, like, bound and determined that she was Italian. It was like, nah, you're actually a Viking. Uh, Right? (laughs) Yeah. she was bummed. She was like, oh, I thought I was Italian. I have to be Italian. I was like, look at you. You don't. (laughs) (laughs) My husband, my husband did it with me, and his is just Europe. It's, like, bright blue. All of it. All of it. All of Europe. And then I'm colors everywhere. So it's just, I come, I come from a very diverse background myself and being minority, being Hispanic, being a woman of color, I, mm-hmm. our experiences are different because yeah, definitely they just are, uh, you know, my, my husband, he doesn't get a lot of the stuff that my mom and I have gone through when we go out in public and things like that. Uh, but that, that representation to me is really, really important so I, yeah. I try to push that on my kids, and I give them diverse books, Native American books, uh, Black Girl Magic books. I love those. Everything. I try and keep it varied. So it, it, it was deliberate to have that diversity, because otherwise you're just telling the same story over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we really appreciate that about anybody who's trying um to just make sure that the the picture they're presenting is as as much of the world as it is it can be. Um, yes, that's kind of our goal too. Is just to make sure that we're not cutting out big pieces of community. <laughs> and yeah, and it's really nice when you find people who are like, yes, I do see myself in this. Yeah, that's really really important to us. Is that when readers. Uh, read our stuff that they can find characters within our work that is are relatable to them easily not that they have to force themselves in yes absolutely uh what's funny too is that i was chatting in our in our discord their nerdy book box discord and i eventually want to write as well as just obviously i don't have time right now but uh one of the things that i want to write in my story is uh an asexual i'm asexual So Mm -hmm. more representation to that because you don't see a lot of books with people that are asexual or demisexual. Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I definitely, I think that is a category in the LBGT writing world that I personally have not seen a lot of either. I think people are trying harder to make sure that that is inclusive, but it is, um, I agree, it's a a sub-niche category within an already smaller Community. Community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I completely agree on that one for sure. Yeah, and that's the diver- that's the diversity that I want to see and I want to bring to the table. Because, again, yeah. otherwise we're telling the same story over and over again. And that's just boring. I, <laughs> I we got to mix it up here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I find, actually, this is, like, terrible to admit and maybe we'll edit it out. But I find that I've gotten to a point in my reading as, like, an adult person, uh, adult creature, that if the book if I can start predicting what's going to happen I usually will put the book down and stop reading Um, (laughs) if I'm like what I write is better than this (laughs) I won't read it (laughs) I've had my moments I've had my moments where I'm reading I I I try not to dnf a book I try not to I'll like put up with it and just try and finish it but I've read a couple books where I'm just like, geez, I, I can't, I can't do it. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm not talking about indie authors. I'm talking about big authors, big authors that I'm just yes. starting to get a little bit tired with. Yep. Um, I'm like, I'm, I don't really think I, I have time for this. I could write this better. And I don't think I'm, like, the best writer in the whole world. So, to me, that's kind of, like, an issue. And that's, um, but... yeah, I think that's why I, I just gravitated towards indie authors because it's just... I don't know. A lot of these bigger authors have their stories so hyped up that people overlook the poor writing, the poor storytelling, all those yeah. different aspects. They just overlook it and they're just like, I just love the author in this book. It's amazing. But it's it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely feel that. There are some really big authors out there that I think are fantastic and have really worked hard and really have earned their name. And there are a few that I, um, I, I'm not so sure I feel that way. Yeah, or yeah. that just produce the same content yeah. in a different um, package. Yeah. yeah. And and on one hand, like, everybody loves potato chips, except for if you're allergic to potato like I am. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, like, I get it. Sometimes you do want that thing that you, you are used to and you like it and you eat it and you're good with it. And I know that we're not eating books here, but the <laughs> consumption idea is the same. Mm, but books. at the same time, <laughs> at the same, you know, fiber. At the same time, uh you do think like maybe we should try some Ethiopian food. Maybe we should try some Thai food. Like let's not just eat our same uh, veggie burger every day. Yeah, yeah, and I'm exactly that's why the food exists. I, I'm a foodie, so it's just <laughs> I'm like yes, give me all Super those foods. Relatable. I will eat all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I think there is more opportunity for diversity, not just of like characters, but also of like just things that haven't been done for before in the indie world that is is definitely yeah just... well you know it's just like i think indie authors do have a little bit of an um, opportunity that they can take here where they're not having to go through literary agents and they're not having to go through traditional publishing houses that may or may not already have their script that they want filled yeah so you're not having to adhere to another person's like this is what sells this is what makes money yeah and yeah i feel i i've I've worked with a couple different, like, smaller publishing companies. There's just, like, mm -hmm. a couple of people. And they're actually really, really lovely. But I have also dealt with publishing companies that may be a little bit on the bigger end. Mm -hmm. And then working with them becomes really diluted. It becomes difficult to contact them. It becomes difficult to customize things or just get things done. I feel if you're on the smaller end, it's easier to communicate with them. It's easier to get things done, get books shipped. But when you're on the bigger end, you have so many things that you're dealing with that you can't really personalize an experience for a smaller company. That is such a good point. It's like the you, you want the relationship. You want to be able to call up, you know, like Bob over at the, the small bookstore and ask if he has any extra, you know, like you want that relationship yes. that like, if you need the extra support, oh my gosh, the shipping thing didn't happen and I really need it to happen. Who can I call? Well, so-and-so is really on top of it. I'll call them. You know, it's like you you do actually have like almost a relationship and a, a like support system. That I think that's super, super true. It is. And, and it's I really important. about that mm -hmm. as, far as, as far as Alice Fables. I definitely have experienced it with my other business. Um, that like people want to work with me because of the relationship. And they have a choice. They could go to another larger, big brand name training company but they don't want to because i'm available and i understand their dog i don't have to look up a file i know that dog mm -hmm. exactly um, so it's like the same thing with the books and the stories so 
wow, I just love that you said that because it just made my brain light up. I was like, oh yeah, that's super true. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, and it, it goes like you said. It it it's a real world thing because I've been doing the property management thing for ages, and I have found that working with like mom and pop type places or mm-hmm. individually owned small businesses instead of these big old giant like let's say you know xyz plumbing you know you have rotor rooter they they're a huge company i mean humongous they have dozens and dozens of plumbers but i prefer to work with the guy that lives you know down the street and does a really really good job and i know that me giving him work is allowing him to feed his family yeah, and it's not that Rotor Rooter would do a bad job. I'm sure they're professional. Oh yeah, but if you can get the same quality of work or possibly a little bit better, and you have a relationship with an individual, a face. Yep. Um, you know, like I totally get that. Yep, and it's the same concept. I just like working with smaller groups of people. I don't like to deal with the big, 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 big stuff. So. Yeah. So, like. What inspires your business model? I mean, you want the diversity and the inclusivity, and you want that, like, one-on-one relationship. I mean, obviously, this is still a business, though. There is a goal for it to be financially viable at some point. And then, like, how do you just decide what goes into your boxes when you're curating individual items for each book? Uh, it's probably one of the harder aspects because I want to make sure that there's variety and it's not the same thing over and over again because, obviously, it's boring. A lot of authors uh, are like, oh, let's get candles, 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 candles. It, yes, I love candles, but if I put a candle in every single box, they're going to have a dozen candles sitting on their desk doing nothing by the end of the year. Yeah. So. Well, and also, I would think that candles would have a problem as far as shipping to hotter states um, or hotter areas during summer months. Like, yeah. we're located in Texas. If we got a candle in this in the mail and it sat in our mailbox for a few hours, it would not be a candle anymore. It would yeah, be much candle soup. <laughs> yes. I I live in Which Southern California, so we have summer all year round. Oh yeah. Uh, and I've had I have customers here in Southern California, and the I think when was it? I think it was sometime last year, and it wasn't even that hot. Uh, I, we had candles in the box. They ended up melting, and it got all over everything in the box. Right, so the book potentially got ruined yeah. and all of the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, here in Texas, uh, I've left so many chopsticks in my cup holders. It's just like, it's it's mush, repeatedly, because I'm incapable of learning. <laughs> <sighs> you want yeah, to comment on that one? <laughs> I have chopsticks in my car right now. <laughs> You're from Alabama. How do you not know better? <laughs> You little swamp creature. <laughs> I don't want to check what I've left in my car because it's been like 80 degrees out here. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's not what it was. It's changed. It's metamorphed. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, what was the question? Yeah. No, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sterling derailing people with chapstick. <laughs> I'm just picturing melty chapsticks. <laughs> very it's like a very like uh it's kind of a meditative piece for you here you're gonna focus on the, the chapstick, the chapstick. think of what this represents in your life let it go um <laughs> all right now our meditation piece of the podcast is over uh we were talking about what inspires your business model and how do you curate what do you des- what do you decide goes into your boxes like do you have specific artists that you like to work with or businesses like do you have your you said you create your enamel pens but like do you have your like 
sprayed edge person or is it really literally you? I do it. (laughs) 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 So I design the enamel pins. Uh, I use my tablet and then I just send it off to a manufacturer. And then for the sprayed edges, I do all the sprayed edges. So I'll sit there when the books come in and I'll spray them manually. I have to wrap them and make sure they don't get damaged and then spray them and then do the little crunchy part and then wrap them in plastic and put them in the box. Uh, In terms of the items themselves, I like to work with other small businesses because, again, it goes back to that same concept of I want to support the little guy, the little little businesses the mom and pops the the mom owned stuff that they have these little side gigs because they you know they enjoy doing what they do so i have like a list of like over a hundred different um small businesses and i'll work with them we also use different websites where small businesses list their products so Mm -hmm. websites like abound and fair are some of the ones that we use Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll purchase from there or or we'll purchase directly from them. In terms of curating, I like to get the ideas from the authors. Uh, I I try my hardest to read the book before I start curating uh, because life is chaotic and I have two little kids. I don't have a lot of time to sit and read. Uh, But I, I like to get... I like to theme the box to aesthetics of the book as well as specific themes or important concepts from the story itself. So how do you decide which books go into your boxes? Oh, before we do that, I was... <laughs> I wanted to say that we've just had... We had a lot of fun like just giving you ideas <laughs> for what we wanted to go in the box yeah. for the April book box this month um, with Dassel. I think we probably sent you like 80 ideas. 80 ideas. I think it was probably more like 12 or 13 different (laughs) messages on Instagram. And that worked for me beautifully because it gave me a broad idea. Okay, these are some ideas that I can put together. And it's actually just like sitting there shopping. Like, I'll just sit on my phone and look at stuff. And I'll scroll and I'll say, hmm, this, I like this, I like that. And I'll add it to my little, like, wish list. And then I'll go Mm -hmm. back and say, okay, does this work for our budgets? Does this work? Does this work? And then once I've pretty much, out of 10 items that I favorited, I'll go down and minimize it to five and say, okay, these might work. Let me send this over to the author and see if they like it. And then sometimes out of those five, people will only choose one or two things. And that allows me, okay, these I will include in the box and I'll keep looking for other things that might work. And that's basically my process. It's, it's not super complicated. It sounds fun, Extremely actually. It really is. Complicated. <laughs> There's a whole, like, chart, and you gotta do Excel. <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right, well, now we can ask my question, which was, <laughs> how do you pick the books that go in your book boxes? Yes, so um, I'm trying to change that a little bit. So mm-hmm. do you guys want some exclusive news that nobody else knows yet? Sure, we would love exclusive <laughs> news. We love that kind of stuff. We're That's... all five hundred and thirty-two of our followers will be extremely excited to hear this. Sweet. <laughs> I mean it. Okay, so for our second year, I have been wrecking my brain trying to figure out, hey, how can I include more authors in the box itself? Because we have the book tours, we have the 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 promotion stuff that that people could send us promotional material to put in the boxes at the bottom 
Mm-hmm. So we have different ways for indie authors to get their book out there, right? But I said, I can only feature 12 authors a year. Yeah, it's a small number. I don't like it. I want more. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I kept thinking and I kept thinking and I kept thinking. So one of the things that I noticed is that there is a discrepancy between the people that like young adult and the people that like new adult slash adult books. And mm. so I said, we need to be able to cater to both. I don't want it to just cater to one. So in August, which is our anniversary, we are going to actually be expanding Nerdy Book Box and doing Nerdy Book Box Young Adult Boxes and Nerdy Book Box Adult Boxes. Ooh. So that actually doubles the amount of authors that we can feature to 24. Yeah. A year. I mean, double is a good... Yeah. Um, so right now we're kind of like in the cusp of deciding, okay, what makes new adult a new adult book? And obviously young adult is pretty common. Uh, but once we find like the perfect balance of which is which, it, it's just a matter of does it have good reviews? So that's one of the first things that we look at when we start choosing a book or choosing an author. Does it have good reviews? A lot mm-hmm. of the time, if it's a newer book, we just have to kind of go with the flow on it. Mm-hmm. But does it have good reviews? Uh, is the cover very aesthetic? Uh, we have a couple yeah. of cover artists that would be able to create covers for us, but we like to kind of stick to the original. And then, is it is it diverse? Is it a diverse story? Does it have diverse characters? Um, is it representative of mm-hmm. different groups of people? Uh, those are some of our, like, top-tier questions that we ask when we're looking at books. And, and then from there, it's basically just a matter of researching uh, the book itself, the author... If they have any other books, are they going to have a series? Is it a duology? Is it a trilogy? Or is it like a longer series? And then we usually like to feature the first book. If it's going to be a duology or a, a, a trilogy, we like to feature the first book. So people have that first one, not a book in the middle, obviously. Um, but that's basically like an overview of how I end up choosing books. And then we start looking at cost. Uh, uh, how much does it cost to get hard books printed or paperbacks? Can we feature a hardcover or is it better just to do the paperback? Generally, paperback is more affordable, but obviously we want to go to where we can do hardbacks every month because, you know, they're that higher quality. People are torn between paper and hardbacks and they're like, oh, well, we like paper, so we're okay with those. And some people are like, well, I like to collect books and I like hardbacks. We're trying to find a balance, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I would guess that hardcover would literally impact your shipping costs. I mean, they're just heavier, and they cost more to make. We know because Vassal and Goddess do have hardcover options, and they're more expensive um, for the author to make. Yeah, that's true. definitely has a lot of factors there. Yeah, so that's one of the things that we have been researching is trying to find a company that does affordable hardbacks uh, a printer or something like that and it's hard to find because a lot of the time we see that a lot of these companies are overseas and we recently did the uh, Beck Michael special edition box 
and we ordered a couple things overseas and we really didn't like that experience. So we try, that's why we try and stick with small businesses, US based stuff here. We do do international, but I've been debating whether or not we can continue affording that because the shipping cost for international is getting ridiculous. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I get that. Especially if you're then using local companies in the United States or possibly even just California where you're based, then shipping to, say, Europe or or, um, Britain or something like that or South America. So it's like you're still doing U.S. stuff, but then you're still having to ship it. So it's not even like you're making things cheaper by buying things in South America and shipping them in South America, you know? One of the other things that we have encountered in terms of international shipping is that people are being charged taxes when they get the boxes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, for example, uh, I sent a box to Canada, which you wouldn't think would be problematic. And they sent me a message saying, hey, you know, we paid $60 for the box and some other stuff, and they're charging me $30 in tax. Wow. It's half the cost. And I don't think it's fair for people to have to pay that, honestly. No, no. Uh, I mean, on one hand, though, it's like, (laughs) it wasn't your thing. Yeah, there's nothing, I I have no control over that. But just seeing people having to pay another $30, $40 just to get their box. I'm sitting here going, what? Yeah. We we had a couple book reviewers that we had sent our, our like vassal or goddess to and they were both in like the UK and it and it was like when we send books to people we're taking money out of pocket anyway. Um, yeah. but then shipping it to the UK was making it much, much more expensive. So it's not that we don't want book reviewers um in all places of the world. We absolutely do, but we're we're just having to do odd um you know like ebooks <laughs> yes yeah you cannot that's send the best you a option. physical copy anymore because it's it's very expensive mm-hmm. and that was that was a year ago or more so i'm sure shipping costs are even more insane now oh my goodness and in, in the last i want to say since it's the beginning of the year when they increased the prices back in december uh they haven't gone down again they're just the same and i think they're going up right now and then it's just even buying boxes but to ship stuff out like has literal just bo- price. boxes yeah the literal boxes I, it's crazy it's yeah. really and and i want to be able to continue offering indie authors worldwide but we're debating whether or not we can continue doing that well, I mean, I think first and foremost, you have to be able to actually run your business. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a really interesting conversation with an artist, and that podcast will go up later in the year. But one of the really, like, key points that really hit home that I really appreciated her talking about was, like, you need to get paid what you need to get paid. Mm-hmm. And, like, just because somebody else can do it cheaper doesn't mean that you should sacrifice your business or your well-being you know, she was talking about, you know, commission art at the time. So, like, your emotional and mental well-being, this art that you're creating, you're creating something. It's, you know, it's a collection of things, and you're creating moments and feelings and connections between, our, you know, authors and artists and all these little businesses. You're this hub that's connecting all these little businesses together. Like, you need to get paid what you need to get paid, and you need to be able to stay in business. Otherwise, you're not going to create these opportunities. 
Yeah, absolutely. I a thousand percent agree. And that's something that my family has encouraged because they see me, how hard I work. Yeah. I mean, I'm spraying these books. I'm running around to the post office, materials, this, curating, this, emails, printing. I mean, it's nonstop for me. And I still have to balance being a mom. I still have to balance doing my day job. And they especially see me. uh, One of the problems that I was encountering is spraying the books is the nozzle on the airbrush mm-hmm. was actually starting to affect my joints. And um, I had to get a different airbrush that doesn't bend my joints the way that the other one was. And mm-hmm. my family sees this, and they see me when I'm in pain and my hands hurt and things like that, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I totally understand being paid your worth. And it's really disheartening when I get uh, cancellations or things like that or people complaining and they say, oh, well, you know, X, Y, Z, don't like this or don't like that or I'm counseling for X, Y, Z or it's not worth it. That's one of the our, our cancellation reasons. It's not worth the price. And if I can be candid, it hurts because they have no idea how much work goes into each individual box. Yeah, they're seeing the items. Yes. X, Y, Z. They're not yep. seeing the hours of labor going They're into not. it and the time and consideration you're putting in to find the extra goodies and working yes. with the authors to get it shipped. Not to mention the hours of labor the author put in to create the book. Absolutely. And yeah. that, it hurts to see people make comments like that because they don't have the slightest clue of how much work actually goes into putting these boxes together. I'm the only one who that packages them. I have packaged boxes since the beginning. So for almost two years, I have personally put each and every single box together myself. I personally spray all the books. I pick everything out. And, and if realistically speaking, if you look at the retail value of all the products put together, it's worth more than what we charge for our boxes. But people don't see that. And no. it's really unfortunate. But do you enjoy being an entrepreneur despite all of that? I mean, how do you feel about running a woman-led business? Oh, my God, I love it. If I could do this, like, every day, if I could just wake up and do this by itself every single day, I would be cool with that. But obviously, I can't because I have my day job. But every day, I'm always just like, I just want to do this. Can I just do this? I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to worry about my day job. I just want to do this. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like you put in so much time and energy, and you really want everybody to love it and enjoy it the way you do, Um, and it is exhausting, and it is emotionally draining. I completely understand that, owning two businesses myself. Um, It's worth it. But it's worth it. Like, would (laughs) you rather, like, the other option is going to your day job and working for somebody else, which you and Liv both do, and it's like, uh, even if you have a really great day job, and you have a really good set of coworkers or boss or manager or whatever that may be, there is something highly rewarding in in doing it yourself. And not everybody's built for that, but if you do enjoy that, it's very rewarding. Uh, Sterling and I were having this like conversation earlier today about what you should be doing in life as like a career isn't about what you want to be. Like I'm I'm sure I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I don't know if I woke up at, and at any point was like, I want to grow up to be an indie author. But this is the work that I love doing. It's yes. it's not just the the like shiny ribbon at the end. It's the, I can get up and put in these hours every single day. And it still means so much to me. 
Yes. And, and that's, that's what I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it worth it. Yeah. It does. Just seeing just seeing authors, you know, come to me and say, I thank you for what you do. That's all that matters to me. Um even if we're only selling 20 boxes a month, obviously, I feel bad for the indie authors that we choose. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I can't buy that many books because nobody's buying them. <laughs> but e- even then, that's just 20 more people that know about that person's book. Yeah, and if they just get one good five-star review out of that, that helps them. That's yeah. true. Uh, like, you know, it's absolutely really good. So... Do you have any advice for other business-minded people, like people who are thinking about starting a small business like you have or, or wanting to get into into this piece of the world? We're, you know, our podcasts are featuring people who are involved with the indie author process. You are very involved with the process. We've also talked to other authors, artists. Um, we're going to talk to somebody who does, like, web content soon, and um, we're hoping to talk to an editor as well. So it's like... You're part of this process. Do you have any advice for other business-minded people out there? Whatever page they want to be on, whether it's the author side or the curator or the artist. I think the best advice that I can give based on my experiences is to just keep going. And even when you doubt yourself, and it's okay to have self-doubt, I think that's a very normal part in um, human nature. It's just keep going. And don't give up. If you have a goal, if you aspire to do something, if you want to make a difference, keep going. Even when you are you are at your lowest and you feel like you can't, just keep going. Because there's been moments where I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. But I keep going. And then I remind myself that there's people out there that need their stories to be told. They need to have their stories put out there. So just keep going. If you love what you do and you want to keep going, keep going. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's really good advice. And I would tag on to that. Keep going and make space for yourself to have some time. Otherwise, you will have emotional burnout. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. we've done. <laughs> yeah. Prevent the burnout. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> keep going, but find ways to make it such that you can keep going by giving yep. yourself time. All right. Well, that's really great. We're so glad that you were able to meet with us. And in case we didn't make it clear for our listeners, our book, Vassal, is going to be in Nerdy Book Box's April box. So we're really, really excited about it. Um, so obviously we have a personal experience and a personal relationship with Nerdy Book Box and have really enjoyed that whole process. It's been a really big deal for us. Um, so Tamara, if listeners are wanting to check out your book boxes, where can they find that information? Yes, so they can find us on uh, nerdybookbox.com. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, basically Twitter, all the social medias. But our primary is Instagram, and then our Facebook gets all our Instagram posts. So either one of those, if they decide to just go there, that's where we update everything. We also have our newsletter that we try and send out once a month. And... Oh, our Discord server. If anybody wants to join our Discord server, our link is in is on our website. And we have a couple hundred people on there, uh, authors, readers, uh, other small businesses, the works. Just come and hang out. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for this interview. We really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, you're a very busy woman. 
And uh, that's, I mean, that's just, it's so nice to get to talk with you and learn about your side of this process. We wanted to make sure that our listeners were getting every piece of the indie author process that there was, not just two authors, but every piece of it. And you're a vital piece of that as well. So we really appreciate it. Of course, it's my pleasure. And thank you for having me on. I'm always here to chat it up. Awesome. Okay. Well, for our listeners, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Alice Fables, and you can join our newsletter at alicefables.com. Thanks for listening.